look up somebody behind you and shake the person and say, Thank God you came to church. The name of this church is Mercy Assembly. But the work of truth, and I feel so elated and excited to be here to listen to the word of God. Are you sure you came to church? It's so wonderful that you came to church. And I want you as a Christian to always treat church beyond whatsoever sin that hitherto ever came into your consideration or your way of visualization of church. It's more important as a Christian that you remember follow conviction of a heavenly vision that follow men or follow things. I guess what's more important here today is not who came or who did not come. What's most important here today is not whether they aspire to work with the electric appliances or not. It's not whether the pastor came or not. I think it's that you came and that it's another privilege to hear the word of God preached at you in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is more to the word that you can imagine and there is more to a church like this than it has ever crossed your mind. That's the reason why you should just sit back and receive the word with all raptness, all aptness, all rapturous attention, attentiveness and inclination to have your life touched by the word of God. Amen. Second Kings and chapter 6 we see a story to learn from. You know the Bible says to us at Romans 15 and verse 4 for whatsoever things were written of our time, were written for our learning. But with patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I said these things have been written not as common instructions for you and I as Christians were bought by the precious blood of Jesus but these things have been written that you are now learn from. It's important you learn from the Old Testament. It's important you don't put your life under the covenant of the Old Testament because Galatians 5 and verse 4 says if you are justified by the laws of Moses or by the deeds of the laws of Moses, you are falling from the grace of God. At 2 Kings and chapter 6, verse 13, it was a miracle that happened. Described by theologians as the ninth Syrian war. You find reference at 2 Kings 16 and verse 5. At 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 13, and he said, Go and spy to find the man of God so I may fetch him. And it was told him that the man of God is at Dothan. This was the king of Syria. And find out the man of God. Glory to God. Because all things that they planned were always revealed to the Lord to Elisha by the Lord and bothered the king of Israel and he thought there were some people who were actually leaking his secrets. At Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 14, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. 
And when the servant of the man of God was reaching risen early and gone forth, behold, and hosts compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Alas, there's trouble everywhere. Curse them and I will perish. Verse 16 of 2 Kings chapter 6. We don't have a Bible share with somebody who's going to learn something very important right now. And he answered, Fear not, for those that be with us are more than they that be with them. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. They that are with us, have you seen this? Are more than they that are with them. There is more to the spiritual that pertains to the Christian than all that we see in the physical that pertains to the Christian. There is more to your life than what you see. There is more to your life than what you see. There is more to your life than the physical which seemingly had been your own choice of determination, your own way of estimation of where your life went. There is more. I've said to you that the Christian is more spiritual than his physical. I've said to you the child of God is more born of God than his born of the world. I've said to you, I've said the child of God is more in the things of God than he is in the things of men. I've said to you the child of God has more inclination towards the Lord than he is of men. He's the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's born of the Spirit of God and God dwells in him by his Holy Spirit. We know 1 John chapter 3 verse 23, 24 1 John chapter 4 verse 13 that God dwells within us because he has given unto us of his Holy Spirit. Are you sure you came to church? Thank God. Hallelujah! I preached a message titled The Dangers dangers i preached one other one what will you do with the old testament i said to you what are you doing with the old testament now that it's done away with titles and chapter one is very clear cuts as to the possibility of you and i being swayed and being deceived or being slightly manipulated and that is why titles chapter one and verse ten is a very relevant portion I want to progress along these lines of teaching on these things I've called dangers. Because in order to sense Christianity will have been easier but for the dangers of the commandments of men. In actual sense you will have been a better person, you will have been a better Christian, you will have been a better servant of God. You will have been a better person, you have been a better child of God. Look in 11 verse 52 Jesus said, Whoa! Unto you liars! Whoa! Unto you liars! For you hold the keys of knowledge. You hold the keys of knowledge. You will not enter in. And you will not allow those who want to enter to enter. Woe to you. Christians will have been easier. But for people. 
It was like a new shepherd. Now, there are many people who are going to hell today because Christians themselves, by erroneous teachings, have blocked them out. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many more people outside there that we are discouraging by our erroneous teachings than there are that we are blessing by the word of God. There are several people who we are preaching into hell because we are preaching the wrong thing. Amen. If for example, God what says, with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, if thou shalt believe in your heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and that he died and rose again, he was buried according to the scriptures, you will be saved. It means that's the only way to be saved. If they say, Come to my church, so when you turn my church, you are saved, it simply means you are giving the person a wrong impression of salvation. He comes to your church, he joins the choir, he comes to your church, he becomes a pastor, and he goes to hell. If the way of salvation is clearly stated from the word of God, and somehow we block men off, we say, Well, when you pay your fight, you'll be saved. When you pay your offering, you'll be saved. When you give to this building, as you build this building here on earth for the church, God will build a building for you in heaven where you will stay. You secure his entrance into the kingdom of God as permanently sealed, called him that. He said you have the keys of knowledge. You won't enter therein. And those who are just about to enter, you have hindered. Look at Titus chapter 1 and verse 10. God's word is very strong on the affirmative on this. I've never seen more strong words used in the Bible. With respect to the possibility of being deceived by the errors of men than I've seen on any other subject. The possibility I may be deceived. The possibility I may be confused. The possibility I may be misled. The possibility I may be misdoubt. The possibility I may be hindered. Hindered. That's the word. Titus 1 thing. For there are many unruly and wrong talkers and deceivers. Something struck me some time ago. Four things struck me some time ago. Some time ago. Four things. The very first thing that struck me was that the possibility of deceit was through men. Basically, basically. Now we find at Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, it was possible for an angel from heaven, the heaven of God, to come and lead us in a deceit. But more than you find the mention of angelic activities, we have predominantly mentioned men. It is possible a man deceives you. A man. It is possible I deceive you as your pastor. Paul said, even if we are an angel from heaven, Galatians 1 9, 1 8, 1 9, if we are an angel from heaven, man. So when we talk about being deceived or being confused or being hindered from entering in the things of the Spirit or being mistaught, let not your mind quickly wonder and say, I know when demons come to the church, they will look like demons. One other thing that struck me is that. Deceit or heresies will not arise from the mosque. Have you heard this? Deceit or heresies should not be expected from the Hindu temple in China or India. 
Deceit or heresies should not be expected from Medina or Saudi Arabia. Deceit or heresies should be expected from the midst of us. Acts 20 and verse 29. 1 Corinthians 11 19. Deceit must be expected from the midst of us. So you are a potential deceiver. I'm a potential deceiver. You are a potential victim of deceit. I'm a potential victim of deceit. Every Christian should see himself as somebody who could deceive another. And every Christian should see himself as somebody that may just be deceived. So the caution is both ways. Now, don't just be cautious. I don't want to deceive anybody. Also be cautious. I don't want to be deceived. Don't just be cautious. I don't want to be deceived. Also be cautious. I don't want to deceive anybody. There are many people who are so cautious they don't want to be deceived and they are deceiving others. There are those who are so cautious I don't want to deceive others and they are being deceived. It's both ways you must be cautious. Number three thing that struck me those who can deceive those in the actual prospective pursuits of deceit are not few. They are many. Second Corinthians 2.17 We are not as many. Somebody say many. Now this word many doesn't mean a few. Doesn't mean sparring. Doesn't mean in pockets. Doesn't mean rarely encountered. It means ubiquitous. Commonly encountered. There are many. There are many. I was thinking about it. Does God what say? There are many teachers teaching the truth of God? No. Does God's word say there are many people who stand in the truth? No. But it says there are many deceivers. So I can convincingly say without any shade of contradiction or bias or sentiment that there are many more who deceive than those who are speaking the truth. This is what the word says. There are many more people who speak against the word than those who speak for the word. Titus 1 and verse 10. It says there are very few, very few. There are increased quantities. Actually, you don't encounter them in contemporary church. You can only find them at the ghettos of Texas where the pastors release them. It looks to me as if places we ought to look at are not places where deceit exists. Rather, places we always look at are not places where deceit exists. I said again, it looks to me as if places we always witch hunt are not places where deceit actually exists. But the places where deceit exists, nobody ever has keen caution of weariness, of interest. Titus want to look at your Bibles. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers Especially day of the Old Testament. When you see that word circumcision, it speaks of the of the Old Testament. Verse 11. Whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not to, for fear the lucas sake, for the love of money. And this is the predominant problem today in the body of Christ. The roots of all heresies in the body of Christ is in love of money. That's the roots. 
the patience, the touch, the thought, the interest in money. That's the interest. The interest is the money factor. No wonder the Lord Peter said to them, He said to the elders and these two are right. I also an elder. First Peter 5 from verse 1. A partaker of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus and the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God that is amongst you. Taking the oversight thereof. Not of constraints, but willingly. Not for feeding Lucas, but of a not for feeding Luca, but as of a ready man has been a sample to the flock. He must be somebody who is set, Hebrews 17, to give an account as somebody who must do it without grief, but with joy. Much as people submit to you as a child of God, you must avoid things that could, for example, make you alter the word, such as further look at the love of money. The love of money. Once I took time to study the book of Malachi, I discovered the book of Malachi chapter 3 as it pertains to tithes, speaks particularly to the Levites giving tithes to the house of Aaron and not members of the household of Israel giving tithes to the Levites. But such things you will never find, people will never discover it for the Lucas' sake. It's more to the house of the Levites giving tithes to Aaron. So if translated to the New Testament, will you love God? Can I love God? It's not the pastors, but members of the church. Whatever this means to you. Hallelujah! Amen! Alright. Verse 14. Titus chapter 1 and verse 14. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Have you seen it? Two things that turn from the truth. Number one, the Old Testament. It is impossible to read the Old Testament outside the Christ's light revelation and find truth. There are some categorical statements I make here on this platform. You must never allow to slip by you. You must never ever underestimate, underplay, water, or help me interpret. Because you may look at it and say, well, he wasn't saying that. He only said, now what I'm telling you is, you can never read the Old Testament outside the Christ's so-centric revelation and make progress. It is impossible. Because the Old Testament outside Christ is against Christ. Now, if in the light of Christ, he has set the Old Testament aside, it means when you read the Old Testament outside Christ, you are running at variance with Jesus. And I gave you some powerful biblical physiologies and wonderful physiological expressions revealing the weakness, the faith and the temporality of the Old Testament, and also the fact that it has waned. Hebrews 8 to 10, in that he saith to me, he had not the first old, not that we decayeth and waxed old, is ready to vanish away. For if that first testament had been faultless, there would not have been a place sought for the second, for finding fault with them. 
is therefore a mediator of a better testament established upon better promises. And each time you see that word promise, promises as used in the New Testament, especially in the Pauline epistles, it does not just mean something to get or you will ever come by. It means assurance of confirming, assurance of what God has given, and assurance and assuring conviction that what God says he has done, he has permanently done. He said that we are dogs, Philippians 3 and verse 2. But we have the concision. But we have evil workers. But we have dogs. Galatians 4 verse 3. How is it that after you have known God, or rather you have known God, you turn against the weak and beggarly elements. Well, to deserve to be put in bondage. I was thinking of Galatians chapter 4. The born woman describes the two covenants. From verse 24, he says, This is a sign, a symbol, an allegory, a symbolic token that these are the two testaments, the old and the new testament. He said, Cast out therefore the spirit of the born woman, that the spirit of the born woman shall not be here with that of the free woman. Cast therefore out the old testament. The old testament will hinder you from making progress. The Old Testament will destroy growth. The Old Testament will bring death and bondage. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 7 describes it as the ministration of death. Second Corinthians 3 12. So we have such hope. We use great brilliance of speech and not as Moses. We put a veil over his face to cover the end of that which was abolished. Abolished. Look at this second one. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 14. The commandments of men. Christians will have been easier. But for the commandments of men. Ladies and gentlemen, one very strong factor, impetus and mover of heresies, is man. Man is a commercial impetus. A motivator, a jumpstarter, a perpetrator, a propagator, and an implementation agent of wrong teachings. Man. If you give heed to the commandments of men, you will lose up on the commandments of God. If you give heed to the things said by men, you will lose up on the things said by God. Anybody who will ever make ample genuine progress is somebody who has turned his face of men and turned his ears away from men and turned his face into the word and turned his ears to the spirit by the same word of God. I've not said turn his ears to the spirit outside the word of God. There are many of us who read the Bible and close it and turn our ears to demons. You must turn your ears to the spirit of God by the word. Because what God has said, God is saying. He does not undulate or change his mind. Whatsoever God has not said, God has not said. Whatsoever God has said, he has said permanently, he has said rightly, and he has said very well. The commandments of men will turn from the truth. Of men will ruin spiritual progress. And you must be careful, you must be cautious. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to spend your mind today along these lines. So that you will open your eyes as a Christian and watch keenly the things you read, the things you hear, the things you are taught, the things you are associated with, 
the things you observe, the things you follow, the things you buy, the things you accept, and also the things you believe for Christian livelihood. There's something very wonderful I've seen. That God's word says that Jeremiah 5 and verse 30. He says, A wonderful and a horrible thing has been committed in the land. Wonderful and horrible thing that has been committed in the land. But prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so and what shall you do in the end thereof the prophets prophesy falsely we are the ones by calling wrong teachings Christians should be held responsible for bankrolling and supporting and stimulating and encouraging and listening to and paving way for wrong teachers, for wrong teachings, for wrong ideas and wrong Bible interpretations. We can't ever ask questions. Nobody said, excuse me sir, I have a question. Let me ask you, when was the last time you had a question? Maybe I shouldn't even say this. I should say, when was the last time you read your Bible enough to have a question if something contrary was ever being said? It looks to me as if many of us are pale. We are faceless. We are bleak. We are uncontrolled, uncaught, indisciplined, and untaught. Most Christians lack colors. They are not electrified when it comes to Bible study. So they are a good ground for rubbish. They come to church, pastor says anything. At times, the pastor contradicts himself and comes back after three years to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And you don't, you're not even sure when he made the mistake. So you can't even remember he made the mistake. When was the last time you ever took your Bible with the aim of knowing? When was the last time you had such interest in the things of the Spirit that when somebody said something, you were like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. I have a different view. I, I read something this afternoon. I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I was just thinking, if it's the Word of God and it has to do with my life and my God whom I serve with all my heart and is beyond life and death, it's not eternity. Many of us say it's not life and death. This is beyond life and death. It's about our eternity. It's more than life. It's more than death. It's more than all you can think about. It's for the future. If I have to do my future, I was just thinking I should cross-check or counter-check or counter-count certain things you have said and be sure whether I'm true or false. Hallelujah! When was the last time you had a listening ear at church? When was the last time you came with an open mind? When was the last time you took, took notes? I'm not talking about taking copious notes like stenographers that have no business. I'm not talking about talk, I'm not talking about secretaries, secretaries who have been learned to sleep taking notes, taking rubbish. I'm talking about people that take notes. Things being said first have a lodgment in your mind before you scribble down. There are many of us who scribble faster than we can take notes. Child of God, take notes. And then take notes. I will to God that you take notes before you take notes. And not take notes before you take notes. 
Because there are many times you take notes, you never get back to. But when you take notes, even if you have no notes, the notes you've taken will always tell your heart to check from the Word of God if these things are so or not. There was a situation in Bible. Judges 17 and verse 6 he says and in those days there was no king in Israel Judges 18 1 and in those days there was no king in Israel and every man did as he pleased in his own sight Judges 19 1 and in those days there was no king in Israel and then Judges 21 25 and in those days there was no king in Israel and every man did as he in his own sight. This is the scenario of Christianity. Nobody has a check. There's no master anywhere. Everyone is a master of himself, free to do anything. But ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is the standard. The word of God is the recommendation of mastery. The word of God stands out as a check, a balance. A standardization object for whatsoever is said or heard or read or preached or proclaimed or visualized or dreamt or fantasized or imagined or meditated in the word of God. God's word is the standard judgment. Nobody has what it takes to oppose the authority of the sacred scriptures. The canon of scriptures up till now is able to decipher, is able to understand, is able to disclose is able to discern, is able to reveal you. There is nobody more than the word. Let us leave this erroneous impression I have a right to believe what I want. Let us leave this lie of the devil saying, I have a right to say whatever. Everyone has a right to his own interpretation. Not so with the word of God. Prophecy came not in old time but the will of men, not the will of flesh. Holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost of God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And the God factor is, to, is something we should put up as right, then the word of God is the center of everybody. Nobody is more than the word. There's no king on every hill. There's only one king of master. It's the word. The word is the censor. God's word is the censor. So when you come and speak and say things against the word, we have the right by the word to discern you. Let me show you something about prophets in Bible. At first Corinthians, because the most unruly people have seen in the body of Christ. I said it very fast. I'll say it now. People who claim to be prophets, I, did, I, I think I made a mistake. A man that is being used of the Lord as a prophet will not be unruly. But people who claim to be prophets, who are not prophets in any way, are the most unruly in the body of Christ. They say nonsense. Incoherent things. Claiming to be who they are not. Claiming to possess extraordinary powers, nobody's got. At times, a prophet speaks so many things far from the Bible, and he's challenged, and he says, Well, I'm talking things nobody knows. If it is something nobody knows, shut your mouth straight. If you don't know, they will never know. Because he that knows is he that knows, and he who doesn't know must know first. That is why it says at 1 Corinthians 14.38 If any man be ignorant, 
There is nothing you can do about it. He has to know before he's known or before he knows well. Now look at something at First Corinthians. Because you must not be deceived. Let nobody play God playing to me. As I was sleeping this morning, the Holy Ghost said to me, Let no man treat you with such words of authority seemingly under God. Let no man come and just say things after the word under the guise of prophetic utterance. I've had this thing over and over again. Each time I hear something incoherent and I say, Excuse me, what exactly are you saying? The answer has been the same. The prophetics must be prophetic, must the prophetics be confusing. Why are you talking like this? I'm a prophet. Must a prophet be a confused, confucianist, confucianist? Must he be somebody who gives us problems? Amen. Now, the word of God is authoritative and clear in its mastery to put under everyone under a check. It's a sensor. First Corinthians 14. And verse 29. Hallelujah. Let the prophets speak as many as they can. Let many prophets come together and say anything they want to say. Hallelujah. Let the prophets speak to a three. There's something about understanding. There's something about receptivity. Ladies and gentlemen, you must never find yourself a spiritual person who says confusing things thinking that the power of God will just go through confusion. People must know what you are saying. Know where you are going. What you are affirming. Let nobody say, he does not know what he saith. Know that way of he it. Look at this one. First Corinthians 14.29 Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other that seated by be in awe. Look at it very well. Let the prophet speak two, three, four, five and let everyone in church be in awe. Whatsoever they say must be of God. Let the others that sit by do what? Let those who stand by do what? <laughs> I was thinking about it. He said at first John chapter 1 and verse 20, Ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. First John chapter 2 and verse 21, I write unto you, not that ye know not the truth, but that ye know the truth. God's idea of your position is that you know the truth. God's idea of your position that is a good instrumentation against the seat in our time is that you know the truth and by the truth you can identify falsehood. This simply means if you understand the very rudiments of salvation you will be able by the same vein of where you've been saved decipher, you'll be able to decipher what is error as opposed to what is truth. What does God to say? He says, let the other judge. Things said must be judged. Hallelujah! Prophecies must be judged. Situations must be judged. Proclamations must be judged. Whatsoever you hear or read must be judged in the light of Christ's saving grace. 
the truth of the word that establishes a concrete platform to be able to stand as judge is the truth of redemption that is the sense of Bible that is the judge of the master I've been speaking about. The authority of the Bible in being able to discern whatsoever is being said is in the light of redemption. It's by the understanding of redemption you have. You are able to discern as right or wrong, as valid or invalid, as true or false, whatsoever is being said, whatsoever prayer is being prayed for you, whatsoever blessing pastor blesses you with every Sunday morning every time it comes, is subject to the censor of the word it's by redemption, you are able to say pastor, thank you so much for your blessing, but it is false pastor, thank you so much for your blessing it is wrong, pastor, thank you so much for your prayer, it's against the word and look at the word judge, you know what it means it means to judge thoroughly it's the word dark enough. He needs to judge well. And you don't judge by sentiment. You judge by the truth of the word. And look at the study. If anything be revealed to another, but seated by, let the first hold his peace. Why must we hold the peace so there will be no confusion? Amen. God's word does not say if something is revealed to the one that seated by, let the other hold his peace, let the one hold his peace, let our Lord hold his peace, because the greater than Jesus is here. No, he says, let him hold his peace so there will be order. There will be his order. I love to describe First Corinthians 14 as the book on order. It is not the book to quench spiritual gifts. It is not a reprise. It is not a brief destructive sermon of tongues it's a book of order order in the body hallelujah good order it's a book about order also at the home front with the women and the men managing the home front it's the book of peace or order as it pertains to how God could use us effectively in the body to be a blessing to others verse 31 it says if anything be willing to another that study that seated by, let the first hold his peace, for you may all prophesy one by one that some people may learn others will be confused. That all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Ladies and gentlemen, it's vital as a Christian to understand there is the possibility of being deceived. It is clear from the Bible that this possibility will predominate the end times, the times you and I live in. When somebody said to me, what is this time called? How do we describe this time? I said to the person. If I dwell to and verse 28, God's word says in the last days. And Peter stood up and asked chapter 2 from verse 16 and said, this is that which was spoken by prophet during the last days. Close to 2,000 years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, that we are not just in the last days, we are the very till end of the last days. 
You say, well, there will be no such time as between the end of the last days. Then, well, we will not call these between the end of the last days, but these are definitely not the beginning of the last days. The beginning of the last days most likely will have been gone ahead. So we are at a time in the last days that are relevant for the last days. What does God want to see? Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 says, In the last days, perilous times shall come. First Timothy 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times, some shall depart from the faith. Look at these possibilities and see the consequences of these possibilities. Let's start from First Timothy chapter 4. Hallelujah. Christianity will have been easy for you, but for the Old Testament. Christianity will have been easy for you, but for the commandments of men. So I've called it dangerous. Dangerous. First Timothy 4 verse 1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidden to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Second Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. I'm sure you came here today. Second Timothy 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days the rulers time shall come. One verse says, her time shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Have you seen it? Convictions. Have you seen boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without nature affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinence, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Look at verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but demand the power thereof. Men just merely religious. They have no faith in what they have said. They have no faith in what they have found. They have no faith in the scriptures. They have a form of religiosity. They demand the power thereof. They could pray for the same thing over and over and over again. When they bind demons in people's lives, they could bind these demons ten times in one service. When they command blessings to come, they can command these blessings to come hundred times. They have no faith themselves the blessed ones. They have a form of religiosity. They lack an understanding of the integral power that makes it tick. That is what he says. They have a form of godliness, demand the power thereof. Have you seen verse 6? For these sorts are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women living with sins let alone with divers nurses look at the seven and the attribute ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth it's amazing that somebody could learn and learn and learn and still not know there is a knowing to be known 
That is why it says at First Corinthians chapter eight, as concerning food offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in this world but there's only one God. It says, He that thinks he knoweth knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. It is possible to know and know and know, but until you know the right thing in the light of redemption, you know nothing at all. Until you know the right thing in the light of the Holy Scriptures and the death and resurrection of Christ, which is the central information from the Bible, you know nothing at all. You may learn and learn and learn and learn and never know. He that must know must be known of God first and then by the revelation of his spirit, he comes to know that which is of God. First Corinthians 2 and verse 12, now we have received the spirit that is not of the world, but that which is of God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us of God. It is not just about trying to know. You must know the basic element and the rudiment. There are many people who do everything to know, but they know nothing as they ought to know. You must know the truth. You can know everything ideal, but when it is not the truth, you know nothing as you ought to know yet. You may know people and no books and no texts and no visions and no dreams and no fantasies until you know in the life of Christ's death and the defamation of revelation by the victims of redemption you do not know as you ought to know so he says there are some people who are ever learning and yet never able to come to the knowledge of the truth hallelujah you may come to church over and over again and not know you may shout and pray and pray and not know. Then say known to be known. Now every Christian should start to know. Proverbs 19 to It says that a soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Because good understanding brings favor, but the way of the transgressor, the person who transgresses for not knowing is hard. The way of the ignorant is like the hedge of thorns. These are the days where the city predominates church liturgy. These are the days with contrary opinions, contrary ideas, ideologies, philosophies from the church itself we run at variance with the truth of the word. There's something you must see about false teachers. False teachers are second Peter chapter 2 are described as ingrates. Ingrates. You know why they are ingrates? Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. But there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that brought them. Have you seen it? They are described as ingrates because by the false words and false teachings and no knowledge factor and ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth of the scriptures they display how ungrateful how ingrates people they are because they even deny the Lord that brought them do you know something brother sister 
It is possible by a wrong teaching to deny salvation. It is possible by a wrong understanding of the right teaching to deny love and virtue. It is possible to sing a song against the death of Christ and think you are singing the right song. It is possible to pray a prayer and pray a prayer against the truth of God that saved you. It is not just about running your mouth. It's about running your mouth in accordance with the right thing. I don't know where you got it from. There's so much verbal diarrhea in the body of Christ. We just talk. Just talk Christians and loose talkers. Have you realized something? Even people who are conservative before they make Christ, the moment they make Christ, they become loquacious. I just fight in the body of Christ. Loquacious syndrome. Christians are talkatives. And they talk most times things they don't believe. Under the guise of prayer, prophecy, affirmative, confessions, bold declarations, they say things they don't mean. And they mean things they don't say. There's a human attitude in the body of Christ of just mere talking. We just talk. We just say things. Ladies and gentlemen, anywhere in the Bible you see that word confess because I know it's a word we love to see. Anywhere you see the word confess as used, especially in the Pauline epistles, replace this word by one other one called because this is the Greek word most times, 100% of the time, that has been translated from the roots. So it's an admitters more than a literal mouthing of something you don't believe. We just say it, we just say it, we just say it without it ever having anything in our hearts. We talk and talk and talk. There's no, there's no sentiment of reservation as Christians. Let me give you scripture. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. He says, Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. The Christian should not always be found saying and shouting in mere verbal violence. This does not mean the child of God should have his speech seasoned, seasoned. Have you seen it? Have you seen First Peter 3 and verse 15? But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to answer every man and ask it thee. It does not say be ready to speak anyhow. It says sanctify the Lord God in your heart first. There is God separated in my heart before I answer every man. So there is something about the word of God and you and I Pitching our tents with what God has said so we can find a root of truth rather than the same things we don't mean or things we don't believe. Ephesians 4 and verse 29. Let your speech be with grace, 
season with souls. <laughs> I was thinking about First Peter 3 from verse 11. He that will love, love and see good days. Let him, let him refrain his lips from speaking evil. His mouth that will speak no God for the eyes of the Lord are the righteous and his ears intent to their prayers. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful how you run your mouth in church. Because it's a definite sign that before you know it, you will say things you ought not to say against the Father of Spirit and thereby possibly bring the liberal gracious God who saved you into disrepute and denying the Lord who brought you. I was thinking about songs. Songs to be sung. Must I sing songs against the Lord? I was thinking about prayers to be prayed. Must I pray against the Word? I was thinking about my topics for evangelism. Must I preach against the Word? I was thinking about things I must have at the back of my mind. Must I build my mind against the Word? I was thinking of my spiritual attitude. Must I have an attitude against the Word? So I must be cautious. And this caution is formed from knowledge. This caution is formed from a clear-cut understanding of God's perception, God's prescription, and God's word, the proclamation of God that you and I ought to stand by. You could even deny God who bought you. You will be among those who are against God. You could be somebody who fights the Lord, fights God in your speech, fights God in your prayers, Fight God in your faith. Fight God in your convictions. You preach, proclaim, believe, read, interpret, understand what God does not see. There's a danger in it. Let me bring this message to a close. Because what I want you to do particularly tonight is to bring yourself under the such a beam of the word. And to always, by the word, put yourself in such a close glare of the lamp of the word so that you will not be found amongst those who in our time and generation have made up their minds to deny the Lord who bought them. Hallelujah. Bring yourself under the beam of the word of God and say, Lord, am I one of those denying the word? One of those denying the Lord where I preach. Hallelujah. The basic, the basic impetus and motivation of heresy, like I said, are men. The commandments of men, the philosophies of men, which simply interprets into no knowledge. When you have no knowledge, no accurate information, when you don't take time to have accurate information in the light of scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, you'll be a good source of wrong teachings stead by an ingrate, ungrateful attitude to the Lord who bought you and saved you by his own blood. When I don't have the time to look into the word of God and examine and say, this is clear, this is right, there's no special person who can interpret the word to me. The word of God is clearly self-interpreting. The word of God is self-speaking. 
The word of God is self-examining. The word of God is self-revealing. That word is true. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse thirteen. But play something. Play something. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians twelve. Second Corinthians one, fourteen. For we write none other things unto you than what you read or acknowledge. The authority of scriptures over everyone. And the mastery of the word of God has been able to discern everybody. There is nobody beyond the word. And it is possible you by the word from the first light of the word is making a serious mistake. Have you seen this? Lest you be amongst those who deny the Lord. For we write not other things unto you than what you have already had at the back of your mind. <laughs> we write not other things unto you than your preconceived notions. Ladies and gentlemen, let me close with these two very important points. The very first one is that God's word, for its mastery of evidence, evidential realities of who God is and the way of God with men, is above all. Anyone who ridicules the authority of scriptures, anyone who ridicules the authority of the canon of Bible interpretation, at the best, is a potential deceiver manifesting this, this deceit and he's been deceived himself. You know, Job 12:16 says, To God is strength for the deceiver and the deceived, they all belong to him. Said at second Timothy 3 and verse 13 that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This scripture is authoritative. Nobody's above it. The authority of the scriptures is beyond human estimation. It is clear and mighty in its absolute power. The word of God is the final word. Nobody has a dream, a fantasy. Nobody has a mindset against it. It's either the word or nothing else. The word is so authoritative that even when an angel comes from heaven, he should be accursed for preaching against the word. Ladies and gentlemen, deliberately and consciously, the devil has reduced from the eyes of the common Christian this authority of the Holy Scriptures. The word 
of God is no longer the standby, the shorty. God's word is no longer the guarantee. Go where those days you will say, let me check my Bible. Go where those days when things you preached and supported with the word of God. These are the days when things you see and assume are things supported by visions and, and, and dreams. There are people you say, let me show you from the Bible. They will say, I'm not talking about the Bible. What are you talking about then? Do you know at times I want to establish with people in discussions do you owe allegiance to the authority of scriptures because if you don't I'm through with you hallelujah now what problem many people have is that they doubt the integrity of scripture authentication they doubt the truth of this has been able to stand all by itself without any book or thought or teachings or dreams in support. Hallelujah. So the question to ask some people is, do you believe that the word of God is final? Do you believe you see this book? If I show you, would you believe it? If I show you this book, if I declare to you from this book, the mind of God in accordance with the revelation of redemption, as it is said, do you believe? The problem is they don't believe the word. And unless you believe the word, you can never make up a progress. Galatians chapter 6 and then verse 15. Hallelujah! Galatians 6 15 says, For in Christ Jesus, get your Bibles. Galatians 6 and verse 15. Galatians 6.15 For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. Verse 16 And as many as work according to this rule Have you seen it? Mark that word rule in your mind. It means this canon or principle. Actually, the strongest word of rule in Bible. It means the rule of Bible interpretation. The rule of Bible interpretation. <laughs> Glory to God. There's a rule. Now, there's a rule called the rule of the new creature. There's a rule, not the rule of circumcision, not the rule of Judaism. Not the rule of Greek or Gentile worship, but the rule of the new creature, the rule of eternal life. First thing, I must go back to revisit the integrity of scriptural authority. It's impossible not to demand the Lord that bought me in my songs, in my prayer, in my prophecies, in my proclamation, in my preaching. It's impossible not to deny the Lord who bought me by his blood in the things I believe or see or visualize or the things I imagine unless I stand for the authority of scriptures. God's word is above all. It is not a king on every hill saying what he thinks of himself. We all ought to owe allegiance to the word whether you're a pastor 
pastor or a bishop an archbishop a prophet from the ground or from heaven you must owe an allegiance to the integrity of the undiluted word of god god's word is first and final god's word is master and all in all we must all look to the word as the teaching stream of the mind of god as a source of edification for our solica complex look at this one at hebrews chapter 4 hallelujah there's a problem let me show you the word you see i don't want to see the bible then discussion over let me show you what god's word say you say i don't believe it you know at times they were never said clearly if they don't quote that scripture I know you are about to use Hebrews. Don't use Hebrews. And you use Exodus. I know you are going to Galatians. You don't use Galatians, but you use Matthew. Why, 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 why must you choose what I should take? Why must what and what become so impaired? The word of God become so defected, so handicapped. So mitigated and polluted that certain areas are not good areas for Christians. Why must you use God's word against God? Why must your prophecies be above the word of God? Most people who go to church don't go to church to hear God's word preached at them. They go to church to hear prayers prayed at them. Even when those prayers are evidently against the word of God. should pray prayers against the word now God what is supreme he has exalted his word by his holy name for his word stands forever sure and steadfast Hebrews chapter 4 are you here Hebrews 4 and verse 12 the supremacy the authority the stand out impossible to equal lordship of the word we must accredit the word in our heart as final when somebody can prove from the word you must go sick tired and be repentance <laughs> now without such mentality that the word of god is final forget it you are a deceiver you are being deceived when the authority of the word does not mean anything to you when God's word doesn't do it God's word should bring your eyes down from the highest hills of human philosophies God's word should correct your impression merely gracing through bible and finding facts and revelations and figures of God's realities in Christ this enough to bring you in arrest I know a church where each time they read the Bible they all stand in awe of the word of God I know churches where they have um, some clear cuts allegiance they owe to the word of God but some form of human attitudes to put up some kind of physical Oh, they do they do something in display to show their allegiance for the word why i really appreciate some gestures and gesticulations at showing 
are evident trust in the authority of the word, I think that's what should be given a place in our heart, in, in our church service. Everyone must oh an allegiance of the world, not just by some dramatic activities or human theories, by obedience, by practice, by reference, by referendum of worship. God must be lifted high in the midst of us. We must push the word of God ahead. We must be clear in our services that God's word is first and final. God should have ample place in teachings, ample place in prayer, ample place in prophecy, ample place in drama. We must exalt the word to the point that the least in the midst say there's somebody they worship here. They don't just worship ordinarily, they worship him by the means of his word. It looks to me as if people should actually exalt the word that they have exalted exalt God, they worship religiously. Because most times, if you exalt God religiously, you will miss out on the world. The world first, then you understand who God is. Did you hear me? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is quick and weak. You know what? It needs to be quick. It needs to be life-giving. The word of God is eternal life-giving. To be exalted. Until we are called the word, the kind of place we are called God, we go nowhere. You must have called this thing, this thing you hold, you must have such reverence you are called God as though you have seen him physically because this is representative of the personality of Jehovah God this is the authority I'm talking about so when he speaks God has spoken when he rules God has ruled when he overrules God has overrules when he annuls God has annulled and when God's word annuls Everyone is quiet about it in subjection, and this says, Please, all the people, and they said, Amen. Hallelujah. Do you know the times when scriptures have been quoted, they are quoted and they fall into common usage, they become irrelevant. This is the reason why a singer comes on stage and says to you, we just probably welcome the singer with a loud vision. Say, let's bring forth the greatest singer from Jakarta, Indonesia. He's going to be singing and us in the wonderful place. Put our hands together for the King Jones of the Ghana Academy fame. And he comes up. And we are excited and interested in finding his skills and mastery or artistry in ministry of music. We want to hear him bless us with one or two songs we never heard before we want to hear him sing in better ways than we have ever heard songs we have heard before we want him to do something and, and the man says before i sing let me quote you this verse and at this same you tune off do you know the times when a singer comes on stage many of us quickly run to do other things first as you say we say i know he will still use 10 minutes to quote scriptures let me quickly go to the loom and eat drink and sleep and come back I will not miss anything that you have missed his exhortation you have missed everything several years ago when I spoke about reciting scriptures scriptures at our church services the kind of opposition I heard 
was like all hells were made loose. I mean hells under the earth, hells on earth, and hell where hell really is right now. Why should we quote scriptures? Why, 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 why? When the authority of the scriptures, when the unbendable principles of scripture interpretation that he said at John 10 and verse 35, the scriptures cannot be broken. The scriptures cannot be set aside. The scriptures cannot be overruled. Find a place in your heart. You will owe an allegiance, not just because of recitation, but because of the truth contained, the word of God, in good and humble, humble allegiance. Hold in high esteem. Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Have you seen this? Oh my God. See the scriptures of the word. The word of God is final. The word of God is refining. The word of God is pure. The word of God is unadulterated and unadulteratable. The word of God is unpolluted, non-polluted, and cannot be polluted. The word of God is saved. Is for life. The word of God is sound, sure and secure. God's word is a guaranteed truth that can never be altered. You cannot change the word of God. Now when you change it, you know you have changed it. If you have an eye for the Bible, when God's word is preached, outside the truth, you will know instantly. <laughs> now this book has lasted many years. And in these many years, especially by translation, the bid to retrieve information from the Latin Vulgates, the bid to retrieve information from the Greek, the bid to retrieve information to a sizable, comprehensible language from the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls, ladies and gentlemen, have always, always brought the temptation of men trying to add certain things that will make it look like they wanted to look to make it competitive with the religious advancement of contemporary times but it has been refuted by the strong wand of the arm of God it looks as though it's contradiction but it's a safe spot to stay in when you look closely at the word of God nothing is as true nothing as complete nothing as impossible to change or alter you cannot segregate or separate it nothing is impossible or more impossible to break apart. It's a single book revelation of the mind of God. It's a safe spot to stay for good life and good livelihood upon the face of the earth and for eternity. Number two. Apart from holding the mastery of the world, I, the world are no more. Oh my God. The world are no more. I was thinking if we had a church where nobody ever sang. I was just thinking about it. If we had a church where there were no musical appliances. I was just thinking if we had a church where we didn't have any audiovisual instrumentation. I was just thinking about it. If we had a church where we all stood on pebbles, on, on, on rocks, on the dust, 
and God's word was preached at us by words of the mouth without any aid of the audio amplifier how will you manage dead dry drabby atmosphere filled with the power of the word how will you manage that's reverence for the word that's reverence for the word hallelujah that's a kind of reverence for the word now I understand the reason why the man Paul after his salvation he described at Galatians chapter 1 from verse 15 from verse 11 that he conferred not with flesh and blood he went into Arabia he went to Damascus and these regions and for between 14 to 17 years he was seen by nobody it was after 14 years he came to the glare to search the scriptures so he came up and said it was revealed to me according to the scriptures that's the point 14 years of dwelling on the integrity of scriptures authority 14 years of finding the rule of Bible establishment 14 years of finding how to relate with God by the scriptures number two ladies and gentlemen I've said this over and over again. I can never get anything from the word with preconceived ideas. And this is the death of many Christian people. Preconceived notions. Things I've had before. six things that could show you could show you if your life is plagued with preconceived ideas and notions <laughs> number one when you refuse or if you change somebody comes your way and brings you a scripture in the light with a light by a kind of light a threshold of a beam of revelation and never came your way and you deliberately rebel against it ladies and gentlemen you are dwelling under this vile filthy attitude of preconceived notions it never gives room for progress if you must make progress in the things of the spirit of god then there are times by the way of the spirit of god god himself knocks out certain things you have believed before and replaces those things with the word of god it's only there's progress progress in any area other area of human endeavors ladies and gentlemen where is progress when you let go of certain things to receive new ideas you are the kind of person who always holds tenaciously like a bulldog tookless bulldog to things you have ever believed you most likely will not be able to see the plan of god and make progress if you must make progress you must open your heart to say no to the things that don't look like so and you are in the of being of life that god is bringing away by his holy spirit i open my heart to make a change the moment there's a flick of light give me a new Direction in accordance with the truth. I'm not talking about being dilly or being uncertain or being confused or always agitated. I'm talking about being rigid in what you know as true, but being so flexible when a change is demanded of you. You're flexible to make a change so you can follow the rigid nature of the word of God. This is what I'm saying. You are 
to say, I want to change my mind. No, I've held something hundred years. It's not enough guarantee to stay with a lie. If it is the will of God, I change. If after 200 years I discover the truth, then a change has come away. It is time to change and say, God, now I know better. Really, when you say, man, say, I know better. Most times they say, well, here, all I need to know I now know. I want to God that you say, now I know better. I want to God you say, now I know more. I want to God you say, now I have understanding. I want to God you say, oh, I wish I knew this some years ago. I want to God you say, oh, I wish I had seen this before now. I want to God you say, oh, Lord, I wish I had seen this before now. When it's all about what is better, no, I cannot change my mind. Number two, if you are somebody who defers to books, defers to people, defers to churches, preconceived notions, hard-headed skepticisms of unbelief and bias will never allow you to make any meaningful progress in the word of God. And when you cannot make any meaningful progress in the word of God, then you are deceived. An active deceiver. Deceived. Active deceiver. Active deceiver. Deceived. Number three. When the word of God has to be preached with testimonies, dreams, God's word has to be backed with dreams. It's obvious we are not preaching the word, but preaching those dreams. Verse of the Holy Bible. Yes, I will give you a verse of the Holy Bible. But just before I give you a verse of the Holy Bible, there was this day. What day are you talking about? Are you talking about a day in the Bible? If not a day in the Bible, shut up, it's irrelevant. Because there are many more stories than you can ever imagine. People cook stories each time they have a new revelation. That's why their stories are contradictory. Amen. <laughs> I may tell you a story to support one verse. And I'll tell you the same story, a little train to tell you how to support another verse. The same story I'll tell you a third time, trained also to support one other verse. Same story, two, three different ways to support three different verses. Say different things. Many attitudes we show. Put away foodiness. And superficial naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Filthiness, notions of unbelief, bias, sentiments, things we are used to. I, I think I used to know. I'm no bastion or, or emporium of knowledge outside learning. The only thing that brings adequate information is extensive very extensive and profound learning and so if I'm found with my very serious revelations to be riddled undercut and ridiculed by petty mistakes of the kindergarten sort I'm set to repay before God so I can make progress but when you are the kind of person who knows everything nobody can ever say something is wrong about you know 
away filthiness, superficial, putting away preconceived notions, ideas, ideology, sentiments, bias, what you are used to. Put away your prayer culture and look at the word of God. God's word is first and final. Put away your pastor's sermons. Look at the word of God. Put away those nuggets of ramologies. They are all lies of the evil one. Look at the word first. Put away those things and look at the word of God. Say God's word is final. I love books. I read books myself. I believe in books. But I do not think that any book should take the place of the Bible in our spiritual regimen. I, I love books. I read books myself. I love tapes. I, I, I preach on tapes and see this. I do not see any of these things in themselves are just like the Bible or even more than the Bible. I don't even think they are next to the Bible. I just think they have their own place. Just like coming to church has a place. The Bible is supreme. Talk all those books and we look at the word of God. There are too many of us who read many more books than we read our Bibles. It looks like the easy way out into greater difficulties. You hear me? They actually are better ways, tapes, discs, books, magazines, materials. But this looks to me as an easy way out to more likely difficulties. The word of God first. I may not have time to read your book. I may not have time to read your article. I should have time to read my Bible. I may not have money to buy that book. I should have enough money to buy one Bible. I may not have money to buy two books every month, four books every month. 10 books every year, I should have enough money to buy one Bible for 20 years and stay with it. Talk those preconceived sentiments. It's time I read my Bible. I read my Bible with such freshness of interest. Freshness of interest. Freshness of purpose. You know, as I'm saying in my heart, Lord, speak for thy servant hear it. Speak. It must be read in context. It must be read by the contents. It must be read in the context. You have not read your Bible. See, you have read your Bible very well. It must be read extensively. It must be read exhaustively. It must be read elucidatedly. It must be read over and over again. It must be read a millionth time. What problem do you have reading the same verse of the Holy Bible five million times? If there's a boredom coming your way because of Bible study, it's because your heart is filled with preconceived notions. If you ever get sick and tired of reading the verse of the Holy Bible, you are used to it. It's because you are sick and tired of making progress in the things of the Spirit of God. There are some parts of the Bible that will never open up to you in the context of revelation 
in the context of revelatory appendage until it's read 7,000 times over and over 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 freshness clarity sincerity what is the Lord saying she must have this dedicated interest over and over over and over and over I'm not reading this to please you I'm reading this to have an accurate information on how to work with my God he's a God of principles I'm reading this to find the exact way to praise him in all I do when he heard of the Colossians and their faith he ceased not to pray and to desire that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will now let's from a spiritual understanding that they might please the Lord and work worthy of him in all things and the same and fructified by the inner strength that only the spirit gives when by the one who understands who God is over and over more and more more and more I want to check it again I want to check that scripture again I want to check that verse again I want to check that verse again I want to check that verse in the context I want to read it in the light of what you say I want to understand it. I want to make estimation. The expect. I want to see it like God will have me see it. There is something going to be seen I didn't get the first time. Perhaps I will get the second time. I've not seen anybody who makes serious progress with the word. See somebody who has the scriptures handy in his mind. Very handy. says I don't want to check because I, I, I should not check check over and over again when you quote wrongly check to be sure you quote wrongly when you are trying to remember a verse of the Holy Bible and you get stuck in public discussion or you get stuck in private discussion or you get stuck in prayer or you get stuck in meditation or you get stuck in thinking of the word of God or you get stuck in writing ladies and gentlemen halt Open your Bible and check and be sure there's no crime in checking again and again and again. You are free. It's on the only book you can check over and over again. There's no sin in looking at the word over and over again. It is true that it people expect that you should have John 3.16 on your fingertips but this time comes that John 3.16 becomes so difficult for you to remember by heart, look at the Bible it's not about remembering and quoting so other may glorify you, it's about knowing what it says so you can live by it open your Bible again and again and again carry a copy of your Bible over and over again if you get stuck, check it again so that you sure you know what God is saying for the hour your heart be free of sentiments with the freshness of a newborn with the interest of a newborn when it speaks of meekness at James chapter 1 from verse 21 ladies and gentlemen 
when it speaks of this meekness it speaks of the simplicity the naivety the readiness of the purity of the newborn first peter 12 verse 2 as newborn babes desire the sincere make of the world that you may grow thereby welcome the world with an embrace for the freshness for the newness <laughs> for the power for the esteem welcome the world be of the moment for the newness check it on and over again there is no time you'll be so filled with the word you will no longer need the word there's no time you'll be so sick and tired of the word you will no longer need the word i've tried to understand it's been so difficult to understand except in the light of the fact that you and i have revelation of the word on the inside of what's called eternal life the kind of freshness that the word of god gives is unparalleled I've not seen any printed page that gives or forth that kind of freshness. Each time you read the Bible, it's like you never read it before. It's new. It's just new. Now, the newness is not just in the aura. The newness is in the influence of the contents over every willing disciple. It's a newness of courage to do the word. It's a newness of revelation. It's a newness of vigor that is transplanted within your heart to do the word over and over again. Just excited. The word of God brings so much excitement. That's what brings so much joy and glee and glory on the inside. You just you just feel a light within you. has power to kill and quench this fire. The word has power to kill and quench or exterminate discouragement. Discouraged people who spend time with the word let the place glowy, radiant, full of confidence and joy all over again. It's the will of faith. It's the path of faith. If you must tread the path of faith when faith is weak and all hope is lost, then you must tread the path of the word of God. You must look at the word. You must peruse the word again and again. You must invitedly welcome God with a perusal. Every moment as a new freshness, the glow of the grace of God in reality. It brings joy. God's word gladdens the heart. God's word nourishes. God's word is food indeed. You could test after the word. So you can actually hunger after the word. You feel destitute of something until you begin to peruse the word. You begin to look into it. Put away sentiment. Things you've ever had, put them away. By put away sentiment, never look for new revelations. Many of us make mistakes looking for new revelations to these people. Now, there's a lot of glory in these people. Sincerely. There's so much in teaching people things they never had before. I've been a master at the game for over 19 years. 
teaching people things they never had and I've had some accounts and accolades I'm so famous and notorious for teaching things nobody ever had most times after my preaching people look at me and missed where did you get it from who told I want to take a game masters at the game of bible study have been put on their feet of humility in tears to go and check over and over again and I will tell them and touch their faces you will not cut this thing until you search for six years six years and he goes back 16 years he's still struggling in the dark but I've come to realize that kind of vain glory is short lived there is more there is more refreshing in reading your Bible to live than finding certain things nobody ever heard it's more refreshing to have God's word in my life. I find it more interesting reading my Bible all by myself than preaching. If I'm told to make a choice between preaching and reading my Bible all by myself, I will choose Bible reading all by myself. I prefer to be in my room praying and studying God's word 200 years and never move to see anybody till Christ comes. That's my joy. It is easier to pray and pray and pray in my room and be studying God's word and just enjoying the liberty of Christ and enjoying the power of the revelation and enjoying the wisdom of God and enjoying the love of God and enjoying the truth of human Bible and enjoy spiritual cohesion that God's word literally airs to anyone who has an open heart. Then coming to preach, there is no benefit, I think, in enjoying God's word as a of life as your life to be lived than just trying to make people see that you are great. It is possible you are so great seeing the wrong thing. You may be so so great seeing something you don't believe should be even be greater seeing something that is going to hinder somebody from the kingdom of God for eternity. Heaven holds me but many more preachers will be held responsible for many more who never made him than those who made him. There are some people who win 20 souls at every crusade and send 200,000 souls their backs against heaven forever. There are some things taught that will never make those men come to Jesus ever. They are around Jesus, they love the Lord, they come to church, they've been baptized, but they can never meet him. In fact, you have even told them meeting him is impossible until he meets them when he comes again, if they are righteous enough. Open your heart to the word. Learn it over and over again. Be open. Lord, speak. Let me get this thing clearly. Let me understand the basics. Let me, let me understand this thing. Let, 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 let me come to terms with it. Let, let, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I walk in this thing? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Open your heart to the word. 
I said, ladies and gentlemen, Christianity will have been very easy, but for the dangers, the dangers of the Old Testament. If you don't read the Old Testament in the light of Christ's truth and revelation, you may never make it. If you don't get the Old Testament articulately in the light of Christ's death and revelation, the Old Testament is shadow of the very substance in Christ. The body is Christ. You may never make it progressively as a spiritual man serving the Lord. I said, number two, if you don't allow the authority of scriptures. Let the word of God stand out as true, as infallible. The authority of the word of God stand in your heart. As a Christian, you may not make it. The commandment of man will ruin you from making progress in the things of the spirit. If you will not be deceived, a deceiver, let the authority of the word stand upright in your mind. God's word is final. A final word. Number two, put away sentiment and preconceptions and stand for what you need. It may just be today, for the very first time, a verse is making meaning to you in the light of the context. Embrace it. If tomorrow, this same verse makes a different meaning, sit back and put the two minutes together and put them aside and look in the Bible again. If you find one other meaning, put it with those words and read again. After a while, one meaning will remain constant. Now check this constant meaning or the meaning remaining constant in the content of the Bible, in the concept of the Bible, and in the context of Christ's message, who is the Word of God. There's no space for you and I to believe what we think is right. There's no space for sentiment or parochialism in the world. If you have an opinion, you're a heretic. The word heresy comes from the Greek word heresis. H-E-I-R-E-S-I. And this word heresis, heresis is not a word that means a strange teaching from the queen of the coast specialized teachings against the contemporary church in Christ it simply means an opinion sentiments based on ignorance sentiments based on bias choice based on unbelief ideas based on the pastor's dream yesterday thoughts based on your own notions are all heresies ideas, lofty ideas, true ideas, are all heresies, are all heresies, good dreams are all heresies. The only right thing is the word of Christ by the scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter how true a fact is, no matter how authentic, no matter how widely believed, no matter how widely preached a truth, a reality, an imagination, a thought of fantasy, if it does not support the fact that Christ came in the flesh, it is inspired by the Antichrist. The Antichrist does not speak particularly of a special master coming from the Roman Empire. The Antichrist speaks of the spirit against Christ. There are many antichrists to be in the church. They are against Christ. Against Christ in their words. Against Christ in their prayers. Against Christ in their prophecies. 
Against Christ in their proclamation. Against Christ in their proclamation. Against Christ in their confessions. Same things they ought not to say. It is possible to say things you are not going to say. <laughs> For the sake of food, look at it. It is possible to dream dreams you are not dream. It is possible to dream dreams you are not dream. Look into the world. Final authority. Final authority. First and last, open your heart to receive the word. Let no man deceive you. There's no that risk anywhere. No risk against anybody. Risk against yourself and risk against time. No risk against anybody. Risk against the flesh. Risk against time. Risk against the devil. Risk against the world. Never risk. Risk against your friend. Someone says, let me show you that verse of the Holy Bible and show you what it says. Don't show me because I know. Who told you you know? <laughs> the fruit of scriptures. Only one of us is right. When you and I say two different things about the same verse, it's either we are both wrong or somebody must be wrong. The other right. It's impossible for two Christians to say two different contradictory things about the same verse of the Holy Bible and they are both right. It's impossible. If it happens, then God is the author of confusion. Only one person is right. At, this, at the point in time for saying two different things contradictory evidence is on the same scripture and the right man is not the oldest man the right man is not the pastor the right man is not the prophet the right man is the man who puts aside preconceived notions and reads his bible with an open heart over and over and over and over do you read your Bible over and over and over and over again? Someone says, I read my Bible over and over and over so I can be fervent. How does fervency come from reading your Bible the wrong way over and over and over again? You are fervent in the wrong things. I spoke of Christians being loquacious just now. This other attitude in Christianity, a violent look, violent look of spiritual armor, violent look. Really, would you find a good Christian looking pleasant? I mean, really pleasant, smiley, and gentle. That is looking gentle and pleasant and smiley and kind shows he must be a bad Christian. If he's a good Christian, he must look wild and weird and camped and dirty and sweaty and rough and violent and smelly and pompous and proud. Those things are what he does not have. Why are you looking for fierce? Some fierce against demons. But demons are not flesh and blood now. Fierce. I'm fierce against sisters who want to seduce me. The seduced man is the seducible man. Let us not be quick to say they've seduced him. It's because he was seducible. He didn't know why he was being seduced. Only the seduced man is seduced. Only the seducible man can be seduced. 
No more blame somebody. Say, oh, the sisters, the king of them. He was also a devil. He was the one who invited them. He welcomed them. He brought them closer. So when he seduced, it's because he was seducing. I don't think you should pride yourself in anything. You see, I'm just too beautiful. All the men are all over me. There are some more beautiful men who don't have men over them. Perhaps you are cursed with the spirit of men. Because the spirit of men hovering around you is not a blessing for Christ. It was not a curse from the devil. Say, no, I've got the height. Actually, the women like my height. They like my, my height. I, I've got the height. You, you, even, you even try to try to go, you extra bounce to your step because you've got the height. You're, you're eight feet. There are some people who are nine feet and women run from them. Perhaps you are not a cause. Because I don't think having women hover around you like bees is a blessing from the Lord. I don't think so. If you see the word boldness as used in the New Testament, it does not speak of having a rash, violent, or militant outlook. It speaks of confidence that makes a man have boldness before God. Confidence, rather, that makes a man have a clear conscience free of guilt in the sight of God. There is more to boldness in the sight of God than towards men. Need that boldness towards men, you need it towards God. When you have boldness towards God, forget about men. Many of us are bold towards people. When we stand before God, we are weak and finite and consumed by the thoughts of our inferiority and the thoughts of sin consciousness. It speaks of free utterance of free speech. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was in always tempted like as well, and was therefore come boldly and stand before men and the book No, let us come boldly and stand before the throne of grace. Stand the throne of grace. Open faces. Boldly behold in the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen. When the world feels your heart through and through, it don't create a false boldness because you know some of the scriptures. You have conviction in God you serve. God's word is final. 